All right, so we're now recording. Um, but tonight we are we are talking about what our networks are, what what are our connections that we have, and uh, what you know just kind of by those connections that also kind of tells us what we um, who we are connected with, what we what we care about, what we um, uh, are passionate about, what we want to align ourselves with, um, and so. Um, that's, that's the, the goal tonight. And so we were talking about, um, let me, before we get into that, so we're talking about denomination and networks and sometimes denominations make people feel uncomfortable. Um, at the same time, if you are off on your own Island and started your own church, that might make me feel uncomfortable. Um, well, no, if you're on your own Island, I guess you need to go to start a church. We have missionaries here. We need to talk through this. Um, <laughs> but um, behind it all is Ephesians 1. Um, re- remind ourselves that, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body in the fullness of him who fills all in all. And so it's kind of fitting in um, God's providence that we, we are discussing this on Palm Sunday. We're talking about Christ, who is king of his church. Um, and that's what we want to make sure we are instilling. So God's word is the best picture we have of Jesus. And so that is our ultimate um, uh, rule for faith and life. And so if we say something that that conflicts with God's word, then we are off and you call us on it. Um, So we we submit to the word above above all things. Denominations, our denomination is uh, under the word. So if someone says you shall do this or do this, we have to find out is it in line with scripture. So... Um, I want to kind of set that as the tone um, for our conversation, just reminding us that that's who we ultimately serve as King Jesus. Um, but when we, when we talk about um, different denominations and different styles, there are, there are common, three common, um, not styles, three common um, ways of governing the church that are out there. There's kind of the hierarchical way, and that's kind of Anglican and, and Catholic. Um, and that's the, the kind of the top-down approach. And there is congregational, and that is the kind of the bottom-up approach. And so the congregation, and the, you can see um, non-denominational as well as um, Baptists in this camp. And then you have kind of somewhere in the, in the middle is Presbyterian, where it's top-down and bottom-up. Um, and so you have uh, leaders kind of uh, leading, and you have the congregation um, in that leadership. Very similar to the United States government, um, right? You have representative government here, um, and that's, that's what Presbyterian is. How many of y'all are from kind of the um, congregational background? I grew up in congregational. Yeah, yeah. I'd say most, yeah. How, how, anyone, yeah, <laughs> pretty much? Church. Church. <laughs> So it plays out, though. It plays out when you say, well, I got a problem with that. How do I, how do I address that? <laughs> uh, how many of y'all, anyone come from a, more of a hierarchical um, background? Kind of Anglican, Catholic, Roman Catholic? Yeah? At one time. At one time? Yeah. Um, so 
we're not going to go into all of church history, although we have quite a few, I think, church historians in here that could help us um, give us the, the breadth of uh, how churches have run this way. Um, but we were just going to talk about one in particular, and that's the one that Mosaic aligns itself with, and that's the, the Presbyterian um, one. So because of that, since it's not like a room full of hierarchical, there are some hurdles for us to get over to go like, what do you mean by this language? I don't think any form of government is God's court-appointed one. And the true one that will be in heaven, I think we'll have a, a well, we'll probably have hierarchical. We'll probably just do King Jesus. <laughs> okay. Jesus, I don't really like that decision. <laughs> we have another place for you, Slip. Uh, but, um, so we're just going to talk about Presbyterian uh, because that's what we want to align ourselves with. Uh, and uh, that word, I think from the get-go, for, if you're not familiar with it, just sounds odd and sounds off and sounds kind of like, what do they believe? Um, I know this because I grew up Baptist <laughs> and I thought the same thing. And then when I started going to a Presbyterian church, my parents thought the same thing and banned me from going to that Presbyterian church, but then said, well, I guess it's better than doing drugs, um, <laughs> which was the alternative at the time. It's <laughs> a different story. Um, but here's why we call here, here's here's where it comes from. It's not just like we came up with this name. Um, it's it's straight out of scripture. Um, and so from the book of Acts 20, you know, um, Paul's meeting with these elders. It says now from um, Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. The word elders is is the Greek word there is literally presbyteros. Everyone say presbyteros. It's so much fun to say. Okay, so uh, it literally, all we're talking about with Presbyterian is uh, the only thing that it actually is covering and talking about is the way we we run as a church and the way that we have um, government of a church. If you have no no government, it's just chaos. Um, So I think everyone wants some government, even though we can talk about how much and how little. Um, With this is a way that you run the church. And the reason we have Presbyteros. We have elders. Um, is not just one elder. It's not just one person in charge. And so, if I decided I want to just appoint myself as czar of of Mosaic, and I could just say, you know what, we should do. We should go to a compound. Um, you guys should come with me <laughs> and drink some Kool Aid. Um, the beautiful thing about Presbyterian uh, government is you have elders um, that are people that are elected, that are also have equal authority with the pastor to say, you know what, that's not a great idea. Um, and so it's not just a safeguard, but it's also a, a beautiful thing that you have other people that are giving different parts of the vision, just like Mosaic, right? Just like having different parts of it coming together. You have other people coming together and saying, here's where we could grow in this. And I'm, and me having my blinders on go, yes, okay, that, that helps to see that. And so the, the government itself has these safeguards, but it also has, uh, it's not just like a negative, it's also a positive, that it, has, it helps us look for something bigger. And so um, another one here, Titus 1, this is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I 
directed you. Again, it's a plurality of elders. There's multiple. Again, this is actually really helpful. And so I think, especially in these last, really in the last year, you may have heard or read of um, some mega church pastors who've fallen into some sin. And you read about it and you go, I would have loved to know were there elders in his life? Uh, were there other people or was he above them? You know, if you're above them, then you're in that hierarchical. Or if you're an equal among these elders, um, you have other people speaking into your life. And so I, I would have loved to know, do they have it? And, and knowing those governments, um, the way they run it was not. That's not saying that's never happened in the Presbyterian church. Um, but there is something beautiful about that, as well as um, you could think of if there is um, some big issue in your church. If you've, you've got, everyone here has been to church, we've had some big you know issue. If I'm the only one who gets to say my my view on it, then I'm I, the, the church is 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 only going to go as far as I, I allow it to go. Really, um, and my sin will allow it to go. Now, what if, what if I die? Uh, <laughs> the church should go on. It should not be tied to that one leader. Um, now, what if there is a, there is there, there's a debate between me and someone uh, in the church? The beautiful thing about Presbyterian is what if that happens? And I've seen this in, this, in the last year where I thought, I, I think that church would have loved to have some oversight. So within, within the church, there are elders. Now above the church, there are ch- other churches in our network that are, also in our, that are also now part of what's called the presbytery. So at the church level, you have session. Then at the, the network level, you have presbytery. And then above that, you have general assembly. And that's all of the churches in the presbytery. All of this is doing is acknowledging Human beings are pretty sinful people. <laughs> we don't really trust one human being to be in charge of a church. We think we need some safeguards, and we think that it's actually good and right and also scriptural uh, to appoint elders to, to do this. Um, so this is, it sounds like, for some reason, I feel like the word Presbyterian makes it, there's like kind of this like scary what do they believe? But literally, this is all we're talking about when we talk about Presbyterian. Uh, we're talking about how is the church run? Um, how is it overseen? Um, what it also, I think, means for us in, uh, in particular at Mosaic is um, we have a church over us. So we're not just making, up, making this up as we go. Um, so since we are a church plant, we have a group of elders over us. So I'm not just making this up as I go. So I was the associate pastor, or I guess still technically am, um, at Redeemer, and I think it's still on the bulletin there as associate pastor there. Still on the website. Though. Still on the website. <laughs> I used to run the website and the bulletin. <laughs> so, um, but, uh, so, what does it mean for Mosaic? So right now, Redeemer is our overseeing um, body. Um, and they're, they're going to help oversee kind of finances. So it's not just going, we're just going to decide we need 
a Lamborghini. That would attract people into this church. Um, <laughs> um, so we have, we have we have so we have we have some checks and balances. We also have that checks and balance for theological clarity, making sure we're not going off the rails with that. Saying, you know, I think God is in everyone. I think God is in the trees, um, and we're pantheists. Um, so we're not doing that. So we have some checks and balances to, to help with that. And so Redeemer is that for us. We're a part of the North Texas Presbytery, uh, and then there's the General Assembly over that. Um, but with being a part of that Presbyterian, we also say we have certain um, theological documents called the Westminster Confession of Faith, which is hundreds of years old, um, that are kind of our, our bumpers on our bowling lane here that help us so we're not getting off track as well, but also have really, really good stuff in it. Um, and so we have stuff that, which is helpful when you think of, we're not just kind of ebbing and flowing with, with history and going like, well, this is what the culture wants to talk about. Let's do this. Um, so we have some things that keep us rooted uh, in kind of ancient history, but we can apply it to modern times. Um, as well as the beautiful thing about Presbyterian, one of the beautiful things is we have a connection. We have people from the Presbyterian here today. Um, Raise your hand if you're here. Uh, <laughs> um, so we have, we have uh, some friends here from Christ the King in DeSoto, uh, Texas. And they also are, are coming to, to see the, the work here in East Waco. Uh, but they also, as a church, um, said they want to get behind and help support it financially. And so we are grateful and thankful for you guys. Uh, and so, yeah. Um, and so, that, that, again, it's, there's kind of something beautiful about that, that you're not just a church on an island doing your own thing. It's a team effort. And so no one can, no one can claim the glory. And I think that's a good um, question, is which church government allows the individual to claim the most glory? If, if, that's, the, if that's your church, then you may want to run. Or which government, church government is allowing Jesus to claim the most glory? Um, and what I like about this, and I'm not, again, I'm not saying this is the only way, but I, what I love about this is that no one can claim it. Like, no one can say, like, I built this church. It's, <laughs> it's only God working through people. It's only the gold and the cracks of that that's allowing this thing to come together. Um, and so, um, anything else you want to add to that, Malcolm? I mean, there's, I'm going to hit the kind of what usually comes up with this in a second, but. Yeah. Uh, no, you mentioned it. I mean, it's, it's. I, I have found, especially over the, so I, I became, I became Presbyterian two months ago. <laughs> up until, up until that point, I, I, when I, when I narrated my own kind of denominational affiliation, I said that I'm, I'm Presbyterian on everything except for baptism, so I'm a Baptist. Um, and, but, 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 but what I have found is that, uh, particularly, I mean, you know, the Westminster Confession and, and Catechisms are 370 years old. But, um, but they are. What, if you if you if, if you're looking for this kind of a, just a faithful summary of scriptural teaching and one that is actually, I mean, like I, I it's granted I, I, I might be a little weird in, in in enjoying 17th century theological documents, but um, but but there's but there's a but there's a but there's a but there's a richness in in the. In the articulation of God's of God's grace, that's constant in those uh, in those in those documents. You have you have things there like um, in the catechisms. You have not only an explication of the Ten Commandments, but also the fact that these are not just 
these are not just, so, so for example, in thinking of the commandment not to murder, um, the emphasis in the, uh, uh, in the catechism is not just, well, murdering also involves hate and all these other things, but there are also duties enjoined to those commandments. So it's not just thou shalt not murder, but it's also, as Christians, we have, we, we have a commitment to, act, to actively seek the life of our neighbor. And and there and, and there and, and there and there are things like that throughout uh, throughout those documents that remind us that um, they remind us of 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 not only our own sinfulness but also the but also the vastness of God's of God's grace. Um, and so I so I would just I would just encourage you, if there if there are any if you have any kind of theological questions about where about where this denomination stands and things like that, I'm th- I'm thankful that we could just be like well you you want to listen to our beliefs. Here they are. Um, it's it's great to be uh, it's great to be able to point to those and and, and, and we're available for questions on that kind of stuff. Too. But, yeah. It's good stuff. It's good. Um, but the uh, one thing that I usually comes up with Presbyterian, I want to hit that, and I'm hesitant to do it because I also realize like it's like a hot button issue. Um, but I just don't want to like bait and switch, and you guys go like, oh, what? <laughs> um, because this was my last hill to die on as a Baptist, um, and clearly, <laughs> um, so my last hill, uh, to kind of coming into this, I was, I, I, I grew up, I was baptized, uh, at the age of 13, I was dunked, um, the right way, and, um, and then I start reading this theology, uh, with Presbyterians, and, uh, so Presbyterians do baptize infants as well as adults. We do both. Let's make that clear. Uh, in fact, one of the reasons that we are planting this church is because I want to see more adult baptisms, uh, which that means that more conversions, uh, more people giving their lives to Jesus. Um, but um, the what I'll give you this. This is why. This I know we could have long conversations about this. I also know it's very complicated, and we're going to have Baptists and Presbyterians and Anglicans in heaven, right? We're going to have we're all in heaven, um, but here's here's where it is, and I'm happy if you disagree with me. It's not a make or break. In fact, you still can be a member of the church if you disagree with this. You can still be serving and leading, like it's okay. But here's where here's where, here's where. Uh, now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart, and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, "Brothers, what shall we do?" And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is a famous passage. What do we do? Repent and, uh, and be baptized. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And so the promise is for you and it's for your children. Let's take it to an, a specific example. There's the Philippian jailer. The Philippian jailer believes. He gives his life to Jesus. He's saved, if you want to use his Baptist, Baptist terms, which I love. Uh, and they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once. He and all his family. So... This is the wild thing. Again, this is the last hill for me to die on. In fact, the only reason I kind of came over to the dark side was um, the, uh, one of my seminary professors said, write a paper on it. Argue for it. 
So maybe that's where I'll ask you to do if you are still struggling with it after tonight. In fact, you probably will be struggling with it. Um, is write a paper for it. <laughs> Try to think through well, how could this be true. Um, it kind of opens yourself up to thinking through what what is that possible? How is that possible? Um, but what, what happens here is the Philippian jailer believes, and it says he and his family are baptized. How are his How are these children baptized when he's the only one that believes? And it goes down to what is baptism? And it goes down to kind of this covenantal view of baptism. And so here's, here's, the, here's my best way of explaining it. And I think this helps me as a, as, a, as a former Baptist. When I was baptized as a Baptist, I got up in front of, I was at a mega church in Houston. Um, and I, I was baptized and I, I gave my testimony, which I want to hear more testimonies. And I was baptized. And my baptism was a signal to the church and to the world of that I believe. And so if that's what baptism is, then of course it doesn't make sense to baptize babies. Because they don't believe. At least we don't think. But if baptism is something a little bit different, if instead of it being my sign to the world that I believe, what if baptism is God's sign on the child that I will wash away those sins when you do believe? And what if baptism, when you are a believer, if you believe and you, you get baptized, it's a sign of what God's doing, not of what you've done. That, to me, is the big switch. It's the big flip to go like, it's not my sign, it's God's sign. It's what God is doing. And this is a continuation of when uh, the, the Israelites uh, were, were growing up, they were circumcised at eight days old. And it was the sign of the, the signal, the sign and seal of what... Uh, the blood that was shed was saying that you need someone to cover your sins. And baptism is this continuation of that saying you need um, someone to cleanse you from your sin. This is the, the, this is the argument for, for infant baptism. I guarantee you, I can go and listen to another argument for the other view. And I'm going, that's pretty good too. <laughs> it is complicated. Which is why it's not like, I don't think this is a make or break um, in, in the church. I think it's important and beautiful and good. But I also know it's, it's, a, it's a, a, a tough one to wrestle with. Do you want to, since you just, be, you know, like converted, uh, which sounds weird. I have the fresh zeal of a convert. Uh, maybe like, in like, yeah, kind of briefly. Yeah. yeah the, 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 and this is, and this is very brief. Uh, one of the things that, one of the things that we as Presbyterians are going to, are going to emphasize is the, is the continuity between, um, what we see in the promises that God made to Abraham in Genesis, and and what we see in baptism. So so when so uh, so when so when God makes His covenant with Abraham in Genesis, um, and He tells and He tells Abraham to circumcise to circumcise his to circumcise his, his children, um, what we see going on with baptism is very is very similar to that. Circumcision is a is a sign and seal of this of these of these promises that God has made that that God has made to Abraham. God just told Abraham, like, these are the things I'm gonna do like these are the things I'm gonna do for you. Circumcise your kids. Circumcise your kids. Um, and the and the way that and the way that circumcision functioned uh, even uh, even throughout uh, even throughout the Old Testament was as this was as this as this sign of God's as this sign of God's grace. That doesn't say that doesn't mean that everyone who was circumcised was was saved in our uh, in our in our language. We, in the in the same way, not everyone who's baptized today is saved. Mm-hmm. It's not that there's 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 people. It's 
you can do the long con. <laughs> you baptize to be baptized and 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 not enjoy kind of the the benefits of regeneration by the Holy Spirit. But what but what the but 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 what that what that points to and this and this and this goes into kind of the other distinctive in, in thinking of how we think about the Lord's Supper too, is that the emphasis the emphasis in the practice of baptism is not that this is a uh, you know that this is that this is something that I'm doing. The emphasis is on the fact that this is a that this is a sign and seal of God's of God's grace. And so paired with that is uh, is the Lord's Supper, which is which Presbyterians had me sold on that for a while. That that what's going on in the Lord's Supper when we take you know when we take the bread and the, uh, the bread and the uh, the bread and the wine is that Christ is present. Christ is present by his by his Spirit, because bodily he's at, he's at the right hand of the Father, but. But this is more than this is not a transubstantiation that that you have in the Catholic Church, where the bread and wine become the body and blood of Christ. Where like that's what you're actually feeding on, and this is not the Baptist understanding of this is just this is this is a memorial. This is this is how we you know remember what Christ has done. In the bread and the wine, Christ by His Spirit is nourishing us spiritually as as bread and wine nourish us nour, uh, nourish us bodily, and so that's that's another reason why we take the table that's. That's that's one of the reasons why we take the table so seriously, and why and why Paul does and why Paul does the same, especially in First Corinthians, um, is because is because what's going on what's going on here is that I mean we're seeing I mean we're 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 experiencing through these through the through these bodily through these bodily actions of, of, of baptism and, and eating we're experiencing uh, God's God's grace, and that's and that's kind of um, I think the primary umbrella to understand. Particularly the sacraments of, of, of baptism. That's good. Yeah. So I think I think a good takeaway from that is what kind of what he said there is, it's all God's work. So we're trying to emphasize what Jesus has done um, in in Lord's Supper. If we bring anything to the table, now we're trying to earn our salvation. If it's got to be hundred percent Jesus's work. If uh, the baptism, if we're saying like, here's what I've done. Um, Let's, let's show what God's doing, that he's washing you, not you washing yourself. Um, one thing just to say, though, what, though, what it does not mean, does not mean you baptize a baby, they're going to believe. Right? Um, this is your, your you, you, ba- Baptists do this anyways. They do it with the dedication, right? <laughs> um, so there's this, this dedication. dry infant baptism. A dry So there's that, there's that. But the the hope though is okay. We are we are baptizing them, and while we're baptizing, adults can go like, "Oh, I was baptized then," uh, and God has promised me these these benefits from such a young age. Um, and also, little children can can see that as well, going, "Oh, that's what was happening when I was baptized." Um, did you have a question, Robin? Yeah, I understand what you said. Are babies that were baptized or infants that were baptized baptized? It's a good question. No, but we do have a kind of, hey, let's share your testimony and let's 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 talk through that and let's uh, you know celebrate that and so let's um, make that event huge. Um, but there's not a baptism that goes along with that. Yeah. Can you talk about catechism? Yeah. So there's uh, along with the Westminster um, Confession, there's also this catechism. thing called. Sorry, catechism. Yeah. Like what goes along parallel to. Yeah, so 
Yeah, so here, let's put, yeah, the, the link between baptism and the Lord's Supper is that's, that's one of the things. Yeah, so we're, we're, but I'm saying the Westminster Shorter Catechism, the Westminster has a shorter catechism that you work through, that you walk through children with. It's kind of these question and answers of kind of t- um, explaining the faith to them and working through that. And as they start to, uh, you can start wrestling, going like, okay, they're starting to understand. Are, do, do you believe this? And I don't know, like Knox told me um, when he was six, he believed. And I think he just wanted um, to eat communion bread and wine and juice. <laughs> so we went through the, we went through kind of like a, a, a you know, some things and talking to him like, I don't know if you're getting it yet. Um, but that's a tough thing because you're like, I want, I want you to believe. I want you to celebrate this, but I don't know if... And so there's kind of... But that, that, that catechesis is this way of kind of, of training your children. And it's kind of putting these you know, truth bombs in their heart for them to just kind of um, anchors for them to, to think on and to remember as they get older. Um, yeah. And this goes back to some of the other things we're saying about baptism. Like, I think it's very, very normal that God, uh, that God works through families. Mm-hmm. God, throughout the entirety of Scripture, has worked, has worked through, works through families. Um, I mean, Moses is constantly telling the people that you know when you when you have this access to the word, tell it to your children. This, this, this is this is this is this is this is one of the normal ways that that the, that the Lord works. And so, um, and so it's one of the things that we're that, that we're going to seek. I mean, seek to cultivate that this is something that um, uh, you know that 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 entire families are are invested in because for because there's a there there is going to be a break of there 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 is going to be this period where. Your child, I mean, your child's been baptized, but they're not take, but they're not taking the Lord's Supper because you don't, you don't take the Lord's Supper until you, until you know what's, know at least a little bit of what, of what's, of what's going on there, and what your, and the, and the kind of, and the, and the kind of commitment, um, uh, and, and the kind of commitment necessary there. So, um, so that, but, but, uh, but yeah, but that's 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 that point. Uh, the the catechesis of. I mean, learning of, in, of instruction. That's what that, that's what that is. Um, but it's just it's just instruction. It's just basic instruction in the face so that you know, you know, this is what you're this is what you're signing on. This is what you're signing on. It's good. But the idea is just that God God normally works through families. That's how that's how he that's how he works. And, and that's my own testimony. Like I growing up in a Christian home, that like that was it was what I was it was what I was brought up in. And it's a, and it and it's a testimony of God's grace that he that he that he pres, that he that he preserved that he preserved me by means by means of my family, um, and 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 so that's and and that's there's a there's a there's a there's a goodness to that testimony too because there can be a tendency to think that well if that's your testimony well that's less exciting than if I was you know on drugs and out on the street and I had a vision and this one like that's like I mean that. that like those are, I, I love hearing those stories because I, because I love, because I, because I know that God works that way. But He also works through families, um, and so we want to, so we want to be a place where we can, where we can see the beauty and the glory of those, of, 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 of both of those ways that God works. Other questions on Presbyterian baptism before we go to Acts twenty nine. Or another partner in crime. All right. No? We'll have more conversations about this because um, it's good. Um, but this is a primer for it. Um, all right. So we are also an Acts 29 church. Um, how many of y'all are familiar with Acts 29? 
Yeah, some, most. Uh, okay, so Acts 29. Um, everyone turn your Bibles to it. <laughs> um, it's actually not a chapter in the Bible. Uh, goes to 28. Um, so 29 is, most, is the, the heart behind that being a continuation of what uh, the church was doing in Acts. And so we want to be a, see ourselves as a continuation of that. And what we see in the book of Acts and what Acts 29 is, it, it, basically all they are and what we see in the book of Acts is they are churches that plant churches, that plant churches, that plant churches. <laughs> right? It is a, um, we, we see that as the most important thing uh, the church can be doing is planting churches. Um, and so, as it says there, Acts 29 is a diverse global family of church planting churches characterized by theological clarity, cultural engagement, and missional innovation. And so, um, the, the most important thing they do is, is plant churches. And I think um, there is a Fan, fantastic article by Tim Keller. Um, if you've not heard him, he's, he's an important reader, uh, important theologian uh, for you to read about. Um, but he, he wrote this article called Why Plant Churches? And I think it's the standard. Um, and so I'm just going to kind of walk through some of what he, he talks about in that. Because I think that is, that is what we are doing. We're planting a church, but we're also saying while we're planting a church, we're going to think about how we can plant other churches. We want to train up and raise up leaders to plant. Um, but common objections, and I think some of you guys have may have um, have thought this before. It's kind of like, well, you know, some of these that that come up. Uh, we already have plenty of churches that have lots and lots of room for all the new people who have come to the area. Let's get them filled before we start building any new ones. Every church in this community used to be more full than it is now. The church going public is a shrinking pie. A new church here will just take people from the churches that are already hurting and will weaken everyone help the churches that are struggling first a new church doesn't help the existing ones that are just keeping their noses above water we need better churches not more churches and so this is kind of the his answer to those common objections and that that is a thought i mean i've heard that multiple times in fact when i went to um lula james um i told the owner and she goes oh good another church (laughs) i was like all right, <laughs> feeling confident. <laughs> so we're best friends. <laughs> we're getting there. Uh, <laughs> but why plant churches? Um, and here, here, here's what Keller argues for. Um, this was Jesus' essential call uh, to plant churches. I mean, the, the, the Great Commission is a call not just to make disciples, but it's to baptize. And when you baptize uh, people, you baptize them into a church. And so when you're going out making disciples of all nations and you're baptizing them, you're making them into, into something. And then Paul's whole strategy was to plant urban churches. Um, he went into the largest city in Acts 16. Second, he planted churches in each city. Um, and then at the verse we read earlier, and I point elders in every town. He, he's not just making Christians and then them going off. He's raising up leaders to then handle this church. And then he goes and then he writes letters to them. That's where we get our, our great letters. There's something going on over here. I've seen a lot of eyes. It's okay. We'll assume it's okay. Um, new churches best reach new generations, new residents, and new people groups. Um, this is just one of these. You just see this as fact. Um, um, you, you see that 
new churches are the ones who are able to reach groups not because um, they're better, more agile. It's because there is typically in, in older churches kind of like the existing way of doing things. Um, and this is just how we do it. That would be great, but it's just hard to get and do that. And so with this, you're able to, you're able to try new things. Um, but this one is the reason we're here. Um, this is the one that got kind of me excited because I had never intended to plant a church. Um, but right here, the average church gains most of its new members, uh, 68% from the ranks of people who are not attending any worshiping Bible, uh, any, any worshiping body. While churches of over 10 to 15 years of age gain 80-90% of their new members by transfer from other congregations. I've been a pastor for a while, and I, and this isn't a um, particular church, because I've been a pastor of other churches as well, and I know this from other pastors, it feels like times that we're just kind of like swapping sheep. <laughs> you know, we're just, we're just passing them across. Oh, you came from that church? Great. <laughs> Not a bad thing to, to join from another church. Um, but what growth are we having? Christianity is, is, is on the decline in America. It, we have new churches, but we don't have enough churches for the amount of population growth that's going on. We're becoming less and less and less and less relevant. But what we see here, and this is in Scripture and in, in the, the studies now, that church plants reach more Three times as many new converts. Why? It seems more, um, for whatever reason, um, we'll say one, you have a group who is actively saying, we need to reach people. And so it's kind of in our DNA that it's not just, let's keep the business running. It's let's go reach people. And that's where we're at. Two, you, you have maybe a, usually church plants meet in homes or in locations like schools or movie theaters or Bledsoe Millers um, that are common to a, a community. That, so it's, there's not as much fear of going into it. Of kind of, there's, if you've been burned by the church, if you've been de-churched, you may say, well, like it's almost as like PTSD. You walk in and you, you just like, oh, the church burned me in the last church. I don't really want to be in this again. And so there's something... Um, safe about walking into the, some of those common places. And so that typically happens with church plants. Um, but I, I do believe this is Christ's strategy in Scripture, and I do believe I see it in, in, in history. And this is why this is this is why we're associated with Acts 29. Like, this is that important to us to say, like, this is who we are. We are going to be a church planting church. Um, so, if my slide will work. We plant churches because we want to uh, continually renew the whole body of Christ. Um, so what happens sometimes is uh, it's a great mistake to think that we have to choose between church planning and church renewal. Strange as it may seem, the planning of new churches is in a city is one of the very best ways to revitalize older churches in the vicinity and renew the whole body of Christ. Uh, there is something, uh, a mo- momentum that happens about that. Grace uh, is, a, is a great example of um, a church that said, Hey, Mosaic, we love what you're doing. They had us come to their church and said and share what we were doing. They're like, if you want to go, go. Um, and uh, what we see a lot of times is when churches that have this like oddly generous spirit, people are attracted to that. They're like, I want to be a part of that. 
Like, let's do that. Like, we're going to gain by losing. <laughs> we're going to win by, by giving everyone away. <laughs> and so there's something that happens to, to these mother churches um, that when you, when you send people, they grow. Uh, that, that, that's shown throughout history. Um, and so churches uh, also bring new ideas to the whole body. Um, we talked a little bit about that. This is all from Keller's article. Second, new churches are one of the best places to identify cre- and uh, creative, strong leaders for the whole body. So sometimes if you're in a church and you're like, how do I serve? They've got professional everything. <laughs> new churches, guess what? we got a lot of openings. <laughs> Whether you're qualified or not. <laughs> well, i got the best of both in. Um, but new churches challenge other churches to self-examination. And so sometimes with this, with this growth of reaching um, people that don't believe, um, some of the older churches go have it invite and in, in kind of in, inspires their spirit, their evangelistic fervor uh, to go. That's what we need to be a part of, and, and things like that. Um, fourth, the new church may be evangelistic feeder for a whole community, and so sometimes people do believe and join the church plant, but there's also some desire and draw to go into a more well-established church and that actually happens quite a bit is someone may join our church and then go to a more established church and it's like great the kingdom's growing we're reaching people and that's what that's our mindset that we need to have um so i go back to that that slide says we are church planting churches um what does that mean for mosaic um, so we, we are, what we're saying that for us is from day one, we are going to be giving 10% of our annual budget to planning churches. 10% is a pretty big chunk. Uh, <laughs> and so if we are asking, you know, and one day we'll talk about this, if we're asking people to, to give and be generous, we want to be giving and be generous. And so some of that goes to some of our networks um, that we are a part of, Acts 29, the Southwest Church Plan Network. Some of that's going to specific churches, and then some of that'll be to individuals we want to raise up to go plant. Um, and so this is, we want to see this happen. We want to reach people uh, in Waco, East Waco, North Waco, and beyond. Wherever, wherever, wherever we, we start seeing, um, I mean, <laughs> someone else told me they're like, the way I see it, and um, got him Rick Schaefer, who's like, Churches need to be like 7-Elevens. You need to have one on every corner. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, getting, I'm, getting, I'm starting to move that direction. Um, it's okay that we have a lot of churches. Like, we just want to see them filled. And we want to see people praising Jesus. Like, that means the kingdom is growing. Um, so that's okay. Um, let me just run through this because I know we've been sitting and talking for a long time. Um, and so for Acts 29, there are distinctives, gospel centrality in all of life, the sovereignty of God in saving sinners. We'll talk about that one more in detail one day. Uh, the work of the Holy Spirit for life and ministry. We talked about us being spirit-led. The equality of male and female and the principle of male servant leadership. And then the local church as God's primary mission strategy. That's kind of what we just talked about there. Um, but they also say Acts 29 uh, will ensure that we are known for planting churches that plant churches, pursuing holiness and humility, being a radically diverse and global community, and praying for conversions through evangelism. Um, that part about being a global community, what's really cool right now is that um, I'm also serving in a two-year apprenticeship with uh, churches in hard places, a part of Acts 29, uh, which is really cool. So I'm meeting with 
guys from all over the country. In fact, we'll, we'll talk on Tuesday uh, via Skype or Zoom and getting to hear similar struggles of doing work in places like East Waco and some lot, lot worse. Uh, and so you're, you're kind of getting a picture of this isn't just our little struggle. Like God's on the move and he's doing some really cool things in some really hard places. And we're raising up leaders that the seminaries and stuff haven't really done to, to put into these places. Um, and so it's really, really um, exciting and energizing uh, to see that you know, we're not in a, alone um, doing these things. So 